Hey there, I'm Greg Finn. And before we get to today's program, which is all about Performance Max, we need to address some new news that was that announced after we did the original recording. And when you hear the original recording with Mike Ryan and Shep, uh, we talked about some issues with branded terms. And there was a new Performance Max announcement on the 23rd of February from Ginny Marvin, the ads liaison that dropped a lot of big news. Um, but the only thing it really impacted with the talk that's coming next is the branded term. So uh, we want to address that right now. And we've got Mike's take, and then we'll get right into Performance Max here. So the first biggest thing that was announced was campaign level brand exclusions for branded queries on search and shopping inventory. These campaign brand level exclusions will apply to most misspellings and brand searches in a foreign language. Chuck, your thoughts on this? I mean, was Ginny, did she get like a sneak peek of our episode or something? Just listen to us and grant our wishes because that's what it seems like. <laughs> yes, this is great at yeah. face value. Um, you know, right now there's ways to do those negatives. And we talked about it a little bit on the show um, about being able to block that. Um, the one thing I would say here is it. hopefully you still have a list that you can influence some way, right? Like if you have brand level um, negatives and you have to only use the one brand that you put in in your um, asset groups or something like that, that might be a little bit weird because you might be seen on a few different things. So I just want to make sure that this is like actually excluding all the brand stuff, yeah. but it's awesome that Google's listened to us on this because it is so critical to not to be able to separate those two. And they don't. Okay. So we should start off by saying Mike, unfortunately couldn't hop on today. We couldn't figure it out with the type with the time difference, but he has some excellent thoughts on these announcements too, that we'll have in our show notes um, that he included in a LinkedIn post, but I'm going to reference that a couple of times. He points out, it's interesting that they never actually say negative keywords or saying brand exclusions. So I think it is going to look a little bit different and we'll have to see how it actually looks. Um, but from that Google ads blog post, it says applying these exclusions will also help block traffic for most brand misspellings and brand searches in a foreign language. You're able to exclude your own brand terms and choose from a list of other brands to exclude. And if any brands are missing from the list, you can contact Google ads to add them. So it doesn't seem like just a negative keyword list that we'd be used to, but it definitely seems like it's going to be an improvement and I'm excited to see what it looks like. Right. And then Mike also goes on to say that the brand level exclusions do apply to shopping. Uh, you need to make sure you have that brand catcher campaign in place that will catch the brand list before using that feature. Because if you turn off all your brand and you're only using performance max, you may miss all that, um, which is a great point. Thank you, Mike. And then lastly, he says brand lists do not cover YouTube and display. You need to use the content suitability center for that. So obviously um, these are query based uh, negatives. Anything else there we missed, Chip? I don't think so. We'll just have to see what it actually looks like when it rolls out because it is a little murky right now, but it looks like an improvement for sure. Yes. Thank you, Google, for listening to yes. us on that. And when you hear us talk about branded, there's now hopefully a fix on the way. The other thing that's come to Pmax since we just recorded, uh, there is page feeds. And Mike says that this is a really promising feature that allows you to label and cluster URLs for better search targeting in Pmax. Kind of think of it maybe like DSAs, that's me putting that in there. Um, and he also says to be combined with final, be aware that combined with final URL expansion, page feeds act as a signal to the AI about which pages are important to your business. Similar perhaps to the start signal functionality of audiences and you need to be need to test that. So um, seems like a really nice thing to be able to feed those pages in sort of um, dynamically. Yeah, I think similar to the not negative keyword announcement, they're a little murky on this. It seems like it is just a signal. It's not gonna actually block those pages. I would love to have that level of control, but again, I'll take anything I can get. Um, I think it'll be nice. You could try to exclude like your blog or content downloads as a conversion, like those pages. Um, so again, we'll have to see how it shakes out. I also tell a story in the show about um, a PMAX horror story where I had a client who offered like multiple services and they were getting conversions for a service that they didn't want included in their PMAX campaign. This would hopefully help with that. You could only put in the pages that are for the service you want to be advertising. So Again, seems like a good feature. I'm excited to try it. 
Awesome. Another thing that was announced that's pretty simple is asset group reporting, where you'll be able to look at the different asset groups and see um, spend, conversions, conversion value, and all that. There's experiments that seem like it's going to show a lift of performance max versus standard shopping. We talked about this on our normal Friday news shows on marketing clock. Um, this does not seem to be anything that is very like usable, I'd say. Shop, yeah, it seems right? like the same thing we talked about in the show. You're testing Pmax against other campaign okay. types. Pmax right. is probably going to win. It'd really be nice if you had uh, the ability to test, um, again, campaign types, uh, performance max, one audience signal versus another audience signal or something like that. That's not what these experiments are. So we're generally not going to talk on those too much. Um, and so... All these things that we that just were announced are still hypothetical. So the uh, show that we had recorded right before this announcement, we're going to continue on with because anything else we would be doing right now would just be conjecture. We don't really know how all these things are going to act. So we have our little precursor here now of the newest news that came out last week. And we are now going to get into our full show. Remember, if we talk about anything about brand there, that should be changing and evolving here, hopefully for the better in the next few weeks. Um, and until then, I hope that you enjoy the show. Thank you, Shep. And thank you, Mike. Let's get on over to it. Hey there, I'm Greg Finn, and it's officially Marketing A Talk. Today, we're going to be talking about PMAX, the goods, the bads, the everything about Performance Max, Google's newest campaign type. And with me, so honored to be joined with Mike Ryan at Mike Ryan Retail. You hear him basically every week on our weekly news show from Smarter E-Commerce and the host of the Growing E-Commerce Podcast. Mike, any favorite podcast player, you can get it there, right? They can just look for Growing E-Commerce Podcast and find you. Yeah, exactly. The main ones are Apple Podcasts, Spotify, but wherever you are, we are. And we're just happy that you're here with us today. And alongside Mike, I have the one, the only, Christine Zernheld, aka Shep a senior digital marketing manager here at Cypress North. She does a lot of PMAX that is non-feed related for lead gen. So we've got Mike Ryan, who is one of the leading minds in shopping and also Shop, who's going to be covering one of the leading minds in demand gen, lead gen, and all that. So we're going to see the full angle and the full gamut here of Performance Max today. Um, and so I want to start with kind of a hypothetical here. So I want to, for one moment, not consider the results that Pmax brings in, right? And so I want to look at the campaign type as it is without how well it works or how poorly it works, just for what it is, all right? And so I'll start with you, Mike. What excites you the most when you heard about Performance Max and what it was at face value? Yeah, I mean, taking it at face value, like Google's sort of proposition here is that they're going to, um, they've just got these massive audience signals and they've got this very powerful AI and they're gonna like map um, all these touch point points perfectly so that it's this full funnel solution. I think that that's this kind of idea that it's it's covering a lot more placements and so on. And that's exciting. If you know, if it were, if you take it at face value, that's gonna work that way. It's really interesting it as downsides too, but it's a very interesting proposition. And I also find um, Pmax an improvement on smart shopping. Not really a smart shopping fan. I think it's funny. A lot of people try to kind of reverse uh, engineer Pmax into smart shopping, but I actually, I like Pmax better than smart shopping. So one question on that specifically, what do you like better about Pmax than smart shopping? Is it the ability to add more um, creative, to add video, to add more than just a feed? Like what, why do you like Pmax? for what it is more than you did with Google's uh, smart shopping product, the product that's now been replaced by Performance Max. I mean, definitely the the audiences, um, although we can talk later about how audiences actually work in Pmax, but um, I do think it is it is attractive that audiences um, are a bit more in the center of Performance Max. Um, and also, I, I just like... <sighs> I like that you have um, asset groups, which are equivalent to ad groups that you can have multiples of these. Like I didn't really like the the campaign and single ad group part of, of smart shopping. And yeah, also regarding the the creatives and stuff like that, I think that is 
a good exercise for teams to start um, getting more involved in creatives. A lot of these performance teams weren't touching that stuff necessarily uh, previously, or they weren't taking their assets so seriously. So I think that's interesting. Okay. And then Christine, AKA Shep, when you think about performance max and maybe put on that, um, let's say the lead gen hat here. Yeah. Um, What do you think, what excites you? What were your thoughts, are your thoughts in general about the campaign as a whole? I think it's really hard to talk about what's exciting about Pmax without talking about results. <laughs> well, you can't say that. I, I know. This I know. isn't a so vacuum. There's I'm no results. Say, I'm, I'm going to do my best here. I would say for lead gen specifically, and this like goes both ways, but that it's easy to set up. And like Mike said, it can run across a lot of different inventory. And it's really simple for lead gen to just set up your audience signals add your ad copy and your campaign is live. Basically, you don't have to do a lot of audience segmenting or keyword lists or anything like that. Um, But that comes with a lack of control. So that's a bummer. So I would say ease of use would be a good thing. Nice. Um, So we heard reach, ease of use, um, the ability to add a little more flavor to the shopping feed. Um, Okay. And then, so we've sort of alluded to some of the fact that there, there are, those are some of those pros. Um, what are some of the cons that you look at? Again, let's not talk about results. We're still just talking about the platform in general or the campaign type in general, rather. So Mike, what are some of the major cons looking at this that jump off the page? I mean, I think transparency is a huge one where um, there's very limited reporting in terms of like uh, placement reporting, super limited. You you don't know beyond impressions um, really what what's going on in some of these other formats. So Google's like, hey, here's all these new formats. Just trust us. Um, or placements, yeah, the, the the formats, the YouTube, the Gmail, all this stuff. Um, another thing that occurs is controls, like a, a lack of, of negatives. They recently added the account negatives, but um, that's not really exactly what I'd say most people are looking for. Um, so those are those are two big things. But um, even like to me, there's just some weird stuff like that. There is no they've introduced asset groups and then there is no really proper asset group reporting. Like you see people building up scripts as a workaround for a fundamental dimension of the campaigns. seems a little weird. Like I, I don't think that that's intentional. I think they just didn't do it yet. So that's another complaint that it's maybe not finished that they just like put it on the market a little fast, but yeah. And if you're new to Google ads, just one thing, what Mike Ryan was talking about here. Um, I just call it, I like I'm, I'm first name and last name. They're both first names. So I'm just going to, that's what we talk about in the show. I Mike usually Ryan say retail. Mike Ryan retail. Yeah, I know. I know. So what Mike said there, um, you know, with those asset groups, it's a little different. If you never use performance max, it is not a group of assets. Assets are what was formerly named an extension in Google ads. And asset group is a group of assets plus descriptions and titles. It's just named a little strange. And then when you talk about audiences, there are no technical audiences in performance max or audience signals. So they can be used. They can not be used to help kickstart things. So when you hear some of those terms, um, it's not exactly one-to-one for some odd reason from any of the other Google campaigns out there, just sort of a note there. And Chuck, what was something that, that you... Um, uh, you know, are is a con in your eyes looking at this uh, face value. So I think the biggest con, which Mike already touched on, is the lack of data. One reason being that it's really difficult, I think, to communicate results with Pmax because you don't know if these people are already familiar with your brand. You don't know if it's retargeting click. You don't know if it was a branded search. You don't know if it was a competitor search. Um, and non-branded and branded traffic, I want to pay vastly different for that lead to come in. So I think that makes it difficult to analyze the results. Um, And also just knowing if it's working well, I could maybe use those learnings in my other campaigns. There could be a new bottom of funnel keyword that I'm not bidding on right now, or a new placement where people are researching a solution that I provide and I wasn't aware of it before. And I want to be able to take that and improve my other campaigns. And I can't do that. So I think that's a big bummer. Um, I also think the lack of control can be a problem for like brand safety reasons, or just people just being overprotective of their brand. Or maybe you work in an industry where you don't want to bid on competitor keywords, you don't need to protect your brand name. And this isn't going to work for people if 
they're in one of those industries because you could open yourself up to any competitor keyword bidding and that could be a problem. There's a lot that I don't like about it. Yeah, <laughs> I know we covered that on a show um, last year where somebody had a handshake deal with a competitor and somebody turned on performance max and started a bidding war and they had to go back and forth and turn yeah. that off. Or the Gmail problem. You could show up in a Gmail placement for someone who unsubscribed from your newsletter and they could think that their unsubscribe didn't work and they don't want to hear from you anymore. Like that is a problem for a lot of people. So I think the lack of the control is definitely the biggest concern. Okay. And so now we are going to bring it around here um, because we just talked about sort of the pros and cons. And it seemed like this wasn't on face value the most ideal campaign type. But Mike, you're using PMAX a lot, right? Yeah, we, we have a lot of PMAX campaigns, yes. How are the results? <laughs> it depends on how you look at it. <laughs> but uh, actually, I've done some pretty large-scale analysis, and like this is not – I haven't published this yet. It's not exactly quite publishable quality. I'm still thinking about this and looking at it. Um, but I've seen that if we look at, for example, I, I looked at PMAX campaigns that had – a ROAS target in place. And I just reported um, based on a lot of campaigns for a one month period, what was uh, the average target ROAS and then what was the average actual or what was the actual ROAS that they achieved. And mostly they were um, performing on target or above target. And it was less often in our segment that they were performing below target. Now I have like a million caveats there because Yep. of the, the size of client that we work with, the type of businesses that they're in and so on and so forth. Um, but if you're looking at it from a pure ROAS delivery standpoint, I think that it looks good. The question to me is when you dig deeper, is this superficial? Like, I think that they're fulfilling the promise of the kind of silly name. It sounds like an energy drink or whatever, Performance Max, but they are... They are maximizing performance in platform from what I can see. But my question marks are always, if you scratch beneath the surface, um, what is actually going on there? How incremental is it? What is the brand share? Um, are you just pushing the hell out of your bestsellers and not touching other products? Sorry, heck, I think is the marketing, <laughs> marketing talk safe word. Power listener over here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and yeah, I mean, the... I just have these deeper questions. I, and But I think that Google banks on the fact that people often are heavily incentivized on these kind of superficial superficial metrics like return on ad spend and um, are maybe willing to look the other way and not dig that much deeper. It depends. All right. And Shep, you obviously on lead gen is a little bit different. You know, yeah. when we talk about performance max, most people think top of mind shopping, you know, and in reality, it can be used for anything. Um, and we're going to get into how you can actually use it more for lead gen and all that. But you don't hear a lot of people talking about performance max for lead gen, or if they do, it's a lot of complaints. So I guess, uh, are you using performance max? I am using performance max. Um, I've tested it in a few different accounts and I have one account right now where it's really successful. I would say it is well, taking everything to account, it's really successful, but it is um, lowering the account-wide cost per acquisition. So I'd say that's a good thing by quite a bit, but there's just so much that goes into it. Again, you have to know that this could be branded traffic, this could be remarketing traffic, and you have to take that into account. So it's definitely performing well, I would say, but the other problem is it's a little inconsistent in lead gen. Um, we don't have like super, super high volume of leads coming in. So there could be one week where the CPA is doubled and the leads are cut in half. And I can't really communicate with my client what caused that to happen necessarily. So that's a big bummer. But if we're just looking like month over month, the CPA that's occurring, it's generally outperforming other campaigns in my account. It seems like we're using it a little bit reluctantly, happy with the results, um, wish there was a little bit more on there. So now... Let's talk about some of those many faces of Performance Max and sort of the different flavors that it's not just shopping, right? So you can have Performance Max campaigns and use it for shopping, for search, 
for local display video, um, you know, anything Google O and O based owned operated basically. Um, and it's more than just shopping. Sometimes it's video. It's sort of all the above. So I guess, how do you like to define PMAX when you're talking to maybe an, a client that hasn't tested it before, Mike, or somebody that's new to it and you're kind of pitching this for them? How would I, how would I describe PMAX? Yeah. That? To a client who's you're, you're trying to, to, to make your point, to give this a test. Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's an AI based full funnel campaign type and, um, which is not to say that it's a campaign replacement for other kinds of campaign types, but it uh, is mostly incompatible with, it's pretty incompatible with standard shopping. It's pretty hostile toward that. And the degree to which it's complementary or competitive against search is much contested. But and yeah. to say hostile, that's, that's very, uh, I mean, I guess that's not a nice way, but that's so accurate. So just to expand on that, if you've got anything that's a standard shopping, why, what do you mean when you say hostile? Like, let's say you've got a standard shopping campaign with a one SKU in there, and then you add a, a performance max campaign with another SKU in there. How is that hostile? It, it's, the, it's the case that performance max is by design intended to take that traffic. It, it, it would basically squash a standard shopping campaign um, by default. Although we do sometimes still see like uh, that, Standard shopping could serve in auctions um, or for queries that performance max is missing for whatever reason, but um, it's it's mostly the case that Pmax is going to squash standard shopping. And I talked in late two thousand. I have to look when this was. I talked to. I was like a couple of years ago. It was before it was still smart shopping was pretty dominant. Um, I think Pmax was maybe teased, but like I talked with someone on the Google product team, and they had explained to me back then that the future of of Pmax or, or where Google's automation is going is that they want an either or decision between standard shopping and, and automated shopping basically. Um, and they definitely want people to make that that or decision basically and, and go for automation. But they're not intended to run in parallel. Right. It's and and so performance max will take the absolute highest priority over anything. And so if you have a performance and this is just anecdotally what I've seen, if you've got a performance max campaign and with let's say one SKU in there, $10 a day and you've got standard shopping, one SKU in there, $10,000 a day, your standard shopping will not even show even if your budget's depleted because Pmax is that hostile towards it. So I've seen that in action. And I would be very careful doing it. A lot of times we'll actually wrap it around some, uh, if we have like a more B2B or some, something that comes in via phone, which is a whole nother problem, um, kind of like wrap it. So they're not on at the same time. All right. And then Shep, how do you explain it to somebody from sort of like the lead gen side, maybe the more um, typical search side when you're explaining this new product or, or new campaign type? So I think overarching, um, I would just say, like Mike said, it is an AI powered campaign type. It can run absolutely everywhere. You In the Google inventory, you have very little control over what's going to show up or where it's going to show up and you get absolutely no results. But I say, if you set it up in the right way, it can work. So if you have this running with a search campaign in your account, let's say you have like a branded search campaign running and you have keywords in that search campaign, Google says if you have an eligible keyword, so it can't be like too low of a bid where it wouldn't be eligible or it can't be low search volume where it couldn't be eligible. If it is an identical match to the query, which is not a match type, but if it identically matches the query, Google says that they will see your search ad, not your performance max ad. Um, but a lot of people don't necessarily believe this. And um, it seems the ineligible word is very important here because if you have something that's ineligible due to low search volume, but then Google is still going to show your Pmax ad, that just seems insane to me. That bothers a lot of people. So it's going to compete with your search ads. It's going to take over the traffic of your search ads and people just kind of have to accept that. Um, but again, if you set it up the right way, if you're understanding that it's probably a lot of branded, a lot of remarketing, and you are really, really aggressive and you're getting leads in at a really low CPA, it can work and lower the CPA for your whole account. So that's kind of how I sell it. But if you have a lot of like brand protection or brand safety concerns, I often don't even bring it up to people or I just tell them not to use it. So I know you talked about it um, 
previously, but you don't see any of those search queries. Uh, again, we don't see them for our, all the search terms anyway at this point. Um, and for somebody like you, like lead gen or somebody doing B2B SaaS where, you know, um, an MQL might be worth a thousand dollars and your click costs are 40, $50 or something for, you know, some really dialed in terms you would use the, in, in the past, you're saying like some of those search terms and use those and here with, with performance max, you just can't really see what those are to be able to add to your lists or to get any, um, better with your search with your standard search rather right you can't use anything any of that data to improve pmax or any of your other campaigns so so you ran through some of those use cases is this for everyone if you're doing lead gen b2b or just lead gen demand gen whatever bringing in leads should everybody be using this in your opinion jeff absolutely not (laughs) i would start with i touched on this before but you have different types of clients. If anyone wants a lot of control over ad copy, if anyone wants a lot of control over where ads are showing, this is not for them. And you need to think about that for every stakeholder at the company, not just your point of contact. If the CEO is Googling something and they're going to be upset that an ad is showing, you don't have any control over that with Performance Max. I've had to answer a lot of questions about why is our ad showing for this Um, So that can be a problem. And again, with brand safety, if that CEO isn't going to want to see an ad on a certain website, you have no control over that. So you need to make sure that you have the right person, the right company. Um, Second, you need a higher volume of conversions, which can be really, really hard for lead gen because leads can be worth a lot. You don't necessarily need leads coming in every day for a lead gen campaign to be successful. But if you don't have a higher volume of leads and qualified leads coming in, you don't, you're not giving that machine data to learn from and PMAX can't find more people like them. So you need to have a certain number of leads that are coming in every day or every week for this to work. And then third, you cannot just be tracking any type of conversion, which I think we're going to get into more in a little bit, but you need resources to be able to track qualified conversions, whether it's importing it from your CRM or lead scoring, whatever you need to do. And not every company has those resources in place. So if you can only track form submissions and you don't have the capabilities to track beyond that, PMAX is not going to be a good fit for you. So I wouldn't recommend it for them either. And so Mike, to you, when you're talking about performance max for shopping specifically, um, do you think that it should be a tool that everybody is deploying in their accounts? Um, no, I, I don't think so. Like, I, I think it's something that everyone should test. It's, it's certainly worth a test. And then you can see what, what you're going to find there. But I'm at the point where I don't really believe that it's the best option for brands because of this branded traffic issue. Um, the thing is, we're mostly working with multi-branded retailers. And this whole brand topic is not that problematic for them because it it depends. Some of them have their own strong brand, um, but a a lot of them don't really have a lot of branded traffic of their own. And the topic is just not as important for them. So I think that's one thing that has been favorable towards the business models we tend to work with, with these multi-brand retailers. I think it's it's a better fit for them. They also tend to have best sellers, which I think is important. And they tend to, yeah, the size of client that we work with, they tend to have enough conversion volume. But um, those are kind of prerequisites that you need because if you do not have, it's exactly as Shep was saying, if you don't have enough conversion volume, you're going to run into problems. Um, I also feel that if you don't have best sellers in there, you just might not be able to scale a PMAX campaign. Um, If someone's unable to scale a PMAX campaign, one of the first things that that I would wonder is, do you have best sellers? What's going on there? Or like a good mid-tail product selection, at least. Yeah, I I think it's the, there's this sort of paradox there. I was tweeting about this the other day, like probably the value proposition is clearest for like a small or medium-sized business where it's very easy to use as we're talking about you kind of this plug and play thing let the ai do the work for you you don't have the knowledge or the time to manage this whatever the case might be Um, but then actually it it works best for larger 
accounts that have more money to spend. And this is sort of a, a, a tricky thing there. Send search term re reporting came up a second ago. I just want to say like, it is kind of available somehow through this insights tab, but it's not a proper report. You can't, you can't select time range. You have to like, you'd have to copy paste the stuff out of there. This stuff drives me crazy because it, it's so tantalizing. Like there is stuff going on there and it's even clustered. It's like doing some anger engram clustering for you. Basically there's, mm -hmm. there's nice things about it, but it's not usable. It's like just a distraction in the end. And this drives me crazy. Right. Uh, that was a side note. No, I'm with you. You almost want it to be like, not there. <laughs> so I need to be like, I know you've got all this data and I want yeah. it. I want to get better with it. And I want to see where it's going, but it's yeah, just or not the, or, possible. Or the placement report where they just show me the number of impressions to just agitate me or something. I don't know. But. Yeah. And when you talked about that, that branded aspect and the big kind of brand back and forth, I know we touched a little bit on like how competitors can get in, how keywords can, can get in. So what is that specifically that people are, um, you know, I guess bickering about or are annoyed about with that brand flavor specifically? I mean, I think we touched on a bit earlier, but th there's a question of incrementality with brand versus non-brand traffic um, where you can kind of assume that. This traffic that uh, is already aware of your brand is going to be less incremental than, uh, and, and more likely to be having remarketing in there and so on. Um, and they're also going to convert in two totally different ways um, or perform at two totally different efficiency levels. So there's a complaint that merging this stuff together tends to inflate the performance. Um, and then another thing that comes up can be budgeting, for example, like you might have a dedicated brand budget and then a dedicated kind of exploration or, or non-brand budget and want to split these things out. There's just a number of reasons why you'd want to separate that traffic. Yeah. And then if you think you can get rid of that problem with those account-based negatives, um, that is absolutely not going to work because you are going to tank everything else that's in the normal search branded campaign. So um, your best bet is to reach out to your rep or hope that something comes uh, to fix that at some point down the road. Um, but right now it's finding a rep, reaching out to them and getting some brand negatives in there if you're very concerned about that. <clears throat> okay. And then just because you ranted, Mike, a little bit about it, I need to say I absolutely hate the name of this campaign type to be able to say that we have search like normal, um, a normal search kind of campaign that we can have local flavor in this. And then we have shopping and everybody calls it Pmax. And for the most part, people are calling shopping Pmax, but Pmax works for lead gen. So you have to be like, it's Pmax for search or Pmax with lo local or Pmax with shopping. They should have just done what Meta did and called it shopping plus or search plus or whatever. Like they should have made it totally different types because to try to have a conversation about search and shopping and local and how to do all these things in one campaign type is ridiculous. Yeah. So that's my two cents here. Wow. Yeah, they 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 make it sound like it's one unified thing or something, but it's and and like there are no channels anymore, but there still are channels and these are separate things. And by the way, there's also I think it's just in beta, but there's travel Pmax too, and they call it like tri Pmax. I can't remember what the hell. Oh they are. <laughs> But there's travel Pmax too coming down the phone. Yeah, it's so. like a good name for that. Tra Trav packs. Right, it's like tri Pmax or something. I can't remember. Perfect. I can't wait for that. So <laughs> awesome. So let's let's dive in a little bit more on on, on shopping. And I think um, one fantastic presentation I saw recently was from your colleague um, Ivana at SMX Next. Here we'll have a link over in the show notes or community.marketingclock.com if you want to see that. Um, she had this really cool idea of like layering on products, and and you had kind of brushed up against that already here, Mike, with having some of those best sellers, um, and almost um, you know using Pmax to to fuel this this fire that's already burning bright. And so I would recommend that everybody go look at that. But I guess what is are some of the the good things that you've done when you know implementing and you've seen success for your clients? I mean, well, one thing that's interesting which um i believe she she presented there she she showed like how there was a a change in the volume of long tail products that were being advertised and sold um compared to the past and um like i often discuss it i'm still trying to you know i'm still learning every day about this um but because i initially really felt like 
Performance Max had this bestseller bias where um, it's just shoving um, spend at the bestsellers and not really giving the more long tail or low volume products a chance. Uh, but I've also, I've, I've been seeing accounts where it is spending a lot of low volume products and, uh, and it's just not working out, which is fascinating. Bestsellers, in my opinion, like we talk about this incrementa, incrementality thing with brand, for example, and I feel the same way with bestsellers because there's already search volume there. You probably have um, some organic traffic coming through or you're paying for the fact that you don't have a good <laughs> organic presence, perhaps uh, paying a Google tax, but um, it's just, it's not really hard to advertise bestsellers. And, and I don't feel that you necessarily need this complex AI machinery to do that. What I would value more is if this AI would help me have like a better diversity of products I'm selling, reduce my dependency on bestsellers, bring these low or medium volume products up to a higher volume category. Um, but realistically, it is still primarily search and shopping. And these are, uh, these have like a pull effect. It's not like a, a Facebook ad. You can go out there. You could be a new brand with a, a new product or new product category that you're trying to kind of generate demand for, and you can go and push that to an audience. And that is not the way that Pmax works uh, because for two reasons, it's mostly search-based. And so it depends on there being existing search volume that it can catch. And when it comes to the more push-like parts and display and so on, it's not proper audience targeting like we talked about before. Mm -hmm. It's like, it's a start signal, as you mentioned. It's like you start playing one song on Spotify and then the algorithm is just gonna try to find other songs that you like rather than um, having like a set playlist that you give or something like that, but or st more strict criteria, targeting criteria. But um, at the end, what I find valuable is to uh, have the right amount of segmentation in there, which there's no perfect definition of that, but um, basically you want to find meaningful differences between products. You know, this could be in all kinds of different ways, like the category, the brand or whatever, but also the way that they perform, the way that uh, their margin is behind the scenes, how they perform for your business and just try to, you know, offer the algorithm some help through campaign structuring, basically. So that's awesome. It sounds like you've got a ton of segmentation going on in your accounts and that it sounds like too, if you have too much, um, too much, too much product in, in let's say one asset group or listing group, let's say, um, you know, you can really tank that. So that, what are some, some ways you've seen people like have a pitfalls with performance max or that you just know it hasn't worked to, due to the configuration of it from a shopping side of things? There can be redundancy in your segmentation. Basically, this is something to watch out for, uh, that there's not actually a meaningful difference or that the audiences are too similar or so on. So you can you can kind of over-segment. That's definitely a pitfall. Um, we see a lot of people, though, more frequently, uh, there's clients coming in with one campaign active and it's this catch-all. And you end up sending a message to Google that these products are all equally valuable to you and that the audience is the same for these things. And um, it doesn't make anyone's life easier in that case. Um, but yeah, it, it's a bit of trial and error. It's a bit of experience. You, you know, what is the right way? Do you, is it appropriate to segment um, by category and how, how precise can you make that? Um, it, it's just, you have to kind of, you can't necessarily think your way out of these problems with PMAX um, and the reporting is not that great. So often you just sort of need to test your way through and do some trial and error. Okay. So while we're still here kind of finishing up the shopping side of things, are there any other tips or tricks that you should have now that we're like a year into this? A mm -hmm. year? Maybe a little more than that. Maybe more. Yeah. 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 18 months or so, something like that. Something like that. Um, yeah. I mean, I think that... Um, there's a lot of great stuff that you can do in terms of building custom audience signals. So that's definitely an area where you should be paying attention. I think that it's a great time to take your assets a bit more seriously, as I mentioned earlier. Like, um, it's funny, we'll have, we have teams where they just don't even have access to all of the assets that are on their website. And they'll, they're asking us to help them collect assets for them and stuff like that. Cause they're not just not used to working with these things and they internally in their company, they're not used to 
like these these kind of connections don't exist, um, which is fascinating. Um, but getting serious about assets um, and um, yeah, I, I also like these the not the there's these new kind of uh, new customer value ways or there's new customer value and then there's new customer bidding and new customer value i am less a fan of because uh just to explain how that works you tell the algorithm that um when a new customer is detected um they have their own ways of detecting that you can also provide customer match match lists uh that uh, a new customer is worth more than a returning customer for example but this impacts your reporting um, there's also a new customer bidding mode where you can tell the algorithm to only bid for new customers. So, you know, you can create a setup. If you're concerned about the incrementality of Pmax, is it really generating new business or is it just purely remarketing? If you are applying brand negatives in there at the campaign level through your reps, if you are doing new customer bidding, um, if you are also having to look at your product segmentation, your bestsellers, your other kind of products, you you can get to a, a point where this is more productive um, and it, it just takes some work. Okay. And then I guess one other question, Mike, I know that there has been sort of a workaround in Performance Max on the shopping side where you didn't need to fill in those asset groups completely. Um, and some accounts that workaround has been shut down for me, um, for the record. And I guess, what are your thoughts with that? Like, I think, I think that's one thing that to me, there are the positives. If you have all those assets, if you, your, your client or your company has a dam and everything's labeled properly and you can get all those assets readily available, but if you've got huge, um, product lines and, and, and hundreds of thousands of SKUs, it is like a game changing and how much more work, at least in my opinion, is if you have to fill out those asset groups. Yeah, the assets are a huge pain for a lot of businesses. That's right. And to me that, yeah, this is this kind of so-called feed only approach that you're discussing where you you try to not populate the assets and just then serve what is capable, what uh, Pmax is capable of serving from the product feed, which is very similar to smart shopping. It'll basically be shopping and dynamic remarketing. Um, and if you have a reason like that for doing so, then then I support that. Um, but generally, I call the feed-only approach PMAX for people who hate PMAX. Um, and it's been a really popular... <laughs> That's correct. <laughs> Dear listeners, Greg was just pointing at his head. <laughs> yeah, I just I, was, I have some catalogs too big to get to get it to get it going. So I'm 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 progress, not perfection. And then once we have all the asset groups, go through and revamp it all. But which is which is fair enough. But uh, I also like there has to be a reason why you're putting the feed only. I, I'm just not convinced about the feed only. I don't think that it's future proof. I think that Google is trying to prevent this. Uh, you know, I think. No one wants to be in a situation where Google's just auto-generating assets for them. So we're going to have to see how this plays out, where it's, is there going to be a choice at some point between either I somehow get my my act together and generate assets, or Google's going to generate them for me, or do I just use standard shopping and forget it? Like, personally, if I'd be choosing between performance max feed only and standard shopping, I would just use standard shopping. Standard shopping is not broken. It still works. Um, but there's a lot of concern that Google is playing funny games behind the scenes with the ad rank or something, and that um, standard shopping campaigns are getting handicapped in auction. There's no proof of that currently, but a lot of people are afraid of this. Yeah, and just for the record, I'm I'm team standard shopping. It's just when I'm trying <laughs> to get um, a little bit extra coverage on off hours or weekends or something like that, I, I, I I'm with the feed only. Um, and when you say that, like, I think a lot of people have seen that, or at least anecdotally seen that with like the recent change with uh, ETAs and RSAs, where some of these ETAs that really had good conversion rates, and if you look at the business metrics, actually seemed to work well, sort of were, um, again, cut off from from serving even, not just not that they were working, they just didn't get that exposure. So um, again, I have not seen any factual, you know, scientific documentation on that, but I think everybody has eyes also. Yeah. And you, you never will. It's Google's auction environment. They control what happens. Ad rank is its own little puzzle box. I won't call it black box. 
let's try to find another word, but I mean, Shep was saying earlier, the difference between PMAX and these other campaigns, um, typically most, the way it works with most campaigns, it's different for search and shopping, but um, ad rank is the is how they decide which campaign type ultimately takes priority. And no one really knows what ad rank is. <laughs> what is it? <laughs> and they can easily just make PMAX win ad rank every time. Or yeah. That's crazy. Uh, yeah. Okay. Any other tips or tricks you want to share specifically on shopping, Mike? No, that's good. Let's see. I, I, I went here. I talked enough for a while. <laughs> okay. All right. You, the floor is yours if you think anything else. So let's get into lead gen and kick it over to shop here. Um, so I, he, I we talked about earlier, there's a lot of hate out there for PMAX for lead gen. Um, but I know that you get good results, not just leads, but business results. So mm-hmm. um, what are some of the, the ways that you've been able to do this um, with PMAX? So the most important thing with lead gen and performance max is you need to be optimizing for lower funnel leads. So I have accounts where in all of my campaigns, I'm optimizing for a form submission or an MQL marketing qualified lead. Anyone who comes through and submits the form, that's counted as a conversion. But in my performance max campaigns, it's really important that I have an integration set up with my CRM and I'm importing kind of the next step in lead quality. So what the sweet spot that I found is a sales qualified lead, which I know can mean different things to different people. Um, But in my accounts, it's generally the CRM is checking um, the person's website and where, what company they work for. And the CRM is determining whether or not that person meets our ideal customer profile. And if they do, they're counted as a sales qualified lead. Um, then the CRM will import that back into Google ads and Google ads would count that as a conversion. So it's really important that I'm optimizing only for those qualified leads, because if you're optimizing for any form submission, a bot can submit a form. Anyone can submit a form. Um, so I've tried it and I found that I'll just get like an, a day where I'm attacked by bots and it PMAX thinks it's like the best day ever. And we got a hundred leads, but in reality, we got a bot, a bunch of spammy form submissions. So it's really, really important to be optimizing for those sales qualified leads. Um, and I found that where the CRM is doing it um, with machine learning and they're qualifying the lead is better than having somebody manually doing it because that would take a little bit longer. And I think that would be not great for the AI. It would be a little bit too slow. So that sales qualified lead is kind of the sweet spot for me. Those are some ways that you can make sure you're focused on quality. What are some of the, the I guess, other bad things that you've seen if, if you don't have that kind of um, lower or I guess uh, more engaged or sales qualified prospect that you're optimizing towards? If I'm not importing leads from my CRM and I'm just optimizing for any form submission that could work in my other campaigns where I am bidding on low funnel keywords, or maybe I'm doing remarketing or something, but in those PMAX campaigns, they, it just goes crazy. It's like, wow, we're getting all these leads. We're getting them in so cheap. Here's a hundred leads and it's all just spam. So that's the danger there. You have to be optimizing for those lower funnel leads, and not everyone has the ability to import from their CRM. Not everybody has a CRM. Um, so again, it's not for everybody, but if you can get that set up, it can work really well for you. And you have to have a higher volume of the volume of those sales qualified leads. Um, so that could be a hindrance to people too, but if you can do it, it can work. Okay. Yeah. So the, the, the more qualified you can get, and if you don't have all that, maybe it's a requirement of a business email. Maybe you're only going after demo requests, not just contact forms or form fills, the, the better possible, but I'm, I've seen the percentages of your clients. And if you, when we first started trying PMAX, the percentage of lead to like SQL, it was like 10% or like single digits. And, you know, yeah. when, once you optimize towards the, the actual sales qualified leads that jumped up, um, three acts at least, I, I I think if I recall correctly. So, and it's really important to have the right bid strategy too. So, um, I, in my accounts where it's working well, I'm using target CPA. It's no secret. I love target CPA for lead gen. Um, so we can say we need those sales qualified leads in, and I'll tell Google, I need the sales qualified lead at the cost. I need an MQL in my other campaigns. And I found that it can do it. And again, I need to remember that it could be remarketing. It could be branded. Um, but I get really, really aggressive with that target CPA bid. And I found that it can work in some accounts if you have the right volume of conversions and the right conversion tracking in place. 
Um, Google wants everyone to use target ROAS, I feel like. So they try to talk to lead gen people and say, um, if you have a value tied to all of the steps in your conversion funnel, and then you have all of those steps in the conversion funnel in your tracking. So you have an MQL for someone who submits the form is worth a hundred dollars to your business. And an SQL is worth $500 to your business. And all that value is coming in. Google ads, and I've heard other people say too that they can find a way to make that work. Um, or if they're, you could do that with maximized conversion value as well. Um, but in my accounts, I've just found that target CPA is the way to go. So that's usually what I end up doing after testing a couple of things. Great. And do you have any other tips or tricks 15 or so months in? I guess it might be a good time to talk about audience signals for lead gen and PMAX. So I've had a lot of luck with customer match. Um, and again, not just any customers, but your highest, highest value customers. Um, and then Google can try to find more people like that. And I've also had some luck testing custom intent um, and putting our bottom of funnel keywords that work really well in our search campaigns in there. Or you could do like competitor domains, co competitor keywords that can work too. Um, so I've tried a couple of different things with audience signals and both of those have had similar results to me for me. I don't know if I feel like Google kind of ignores and goes beyond them sometimes, but that's what I've had luck with so far. Yeah. And, and for some of the new, new customers, like your match rate is going to be really big on that. If you're, yeah. you know, doing B2B and people are logged into Google on their personal, it's, you're, you're going to, you know, hit them anyway. Um, any other tips or tricks, Shep? Um, I just, cause I don't know if there's anywhere else this would fit, but I would just be careful with lead gen. And if you have final URL ex expansion turned on, um, if you have a client or if you are a business who offers multiple services, so we have one where we are advertising one tried and true service that keeps them in business. It's the name of their product, the name of their company. And then sometimes they'll try to have a new offering in the mix and will run ads for it um, kind of as a test to see if they can make money off of it. And we had one example, we were working on campaigns for a new service. We we're being really detailed with like our keyword list and our ad copy and everything. And then the client Googled the name of that service one day and saw an ad, but we hadn't launched our new campaign yet um, and saw their ad. And he was like, I thought we hadn't launched this yet. I hadn't approved this ad copy. Um, and it was because we had final URL expansion turned on and our tracking um a sales qualified lead was the same tracking setup for that new service as it was for the original service. So Google counted that as a win. Um, so you just need to be careful about that. If you have it turned on that they can send people anywhere to your site, they can change your ad copy and they could be tracking different types of conversions. So just be careful there. Let's talk about some of the features that have rolled out. We've seen some some new enhancements since last time we talked about PMAX in depth. Um, new customer acquisition. Any thoughts from y'all about that? I think it's one of the best things they've changed about it for sure. If I can try to bid only on new customers and get new customers in, cut out hopefully branded and remarketing as much as possible, I'm a bigger believer in PMAX. But again, I think you need more volume. And so that could hold people up from using that. Yeah, I, I agree. It's definitely one of the best features that they have. Um, I mean, it just irks me. So they they launched the first version of that back with Smart Shopping, and there was nothing to stop them from launching that for, with Standard Shopping as well, as far as I'm concerned. But uh, they made it a, a Smart Shopping exclusive back then, and now it's Pmax. Um, but they're they're nice. It's a nice feature that they're building. It makes a lot of sense, and um, it, it feels like it's in the advertiser's interest and not in like Google's interest, which is usually the criticism of, of a lot of their new features. Nice. Okay. So being able to go towards higher dollar um, uh, convert or sales. So that's a new feature that was rolled out. I forget the exact uh, acronym that they did HRC, I believe, or NCAHVO. How could you forget NCAHVO? <laughs> only six letters. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, just make it a word at that point. Uh, so, Mike, what are your thoughts on that? Sounds interesting. I I feel like there there was a lot of hype in the last couple of years about customer lifetime value um, and optimizing toward this, and now I think <clears throat> that a lot of businesses are facing tight times and they're happy if they're just profitable um, in the first place. And but this is then a feature to check out 
because can it get you toward that goal? You know, can you have one campaign optimizing on that and then another campaign? Like you could do some waterfalling in your campaign structure potentially. Um, I mean, there's not really campaign priorities, but you can have at least dedicated budgets and goals and stuff like that. Um, it's definitely something interesting to watch out for. And and there's they've had these... Um, you can view, I don't know if that's, I think it's still a beta, but you can like sometimes see these, um, these lists, um, you can learn about like, uh, what kind of, um, different value groups that you have in your, in your audience and what assets are working with them and so on. And it's interesting then to see this getting a little bit more actionable with a bidding mode. Awesome. And I recently shop, I know you, you reported on it, but there are experiments within performance max, um, experiments is a very, very, it's doing a lot of work. The yeah. the word experiments is doing a lot of work here. You can take a normal campaign and test it out as a performance max campaign. Correct. Yeah. This is one where the headline got me really excited, but then when you looked into it, all you can do is test your search campaign against a P max, or I think you can do it with standard shopping too. Um, so again, they're fundamentally different campaign types. It's like comparing apples to cheeseburgers. I don't know. Pmax is going to win every single time. I was hoping it would be some kind of experiment where you could test a new audience signal or new creative and see how it improves performance, but it's nothing like that. It's just testing it against your old campaigns. I feel like it's just propaganda to try to get more people to use Pmax, in my opinion. It's purely a sales tool. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Just like upgrade to broad match. Um, it's just different. It's not upgraded. Oh, anyway. Um, I am not the guest on this show. Y'all are. And now I want to just pick your brains quick for some wish list items for Performance Max setting in the future. You're Google. You get to decide how to make this the best. And also like wish list versus like sort of like a need list. If you're to be like, for this to really compete, what does it need? And what do I wish it had? Top of, actually, I'm not going to go top down, but one of my uh, needs would be negative keyword lists. And I know that now we have a global negative keyword list that makes Greg really mad. I think it's better than nothing to be able to negate something that you don't want to bid on for any of your campaigns. At least you can exclude that for Pmax. But I want a real Pmax negative keyword list where I can put, I'm mostly going to put brand keywords in there, maybe competitor keywords. I don't want to have to beg a rep and like talk to a rep to get one. I just want that to be an, a capability in the Google Ads platform. So that would be really nice. Um, audience and placement exclusions would be really nice. So I could try to say I'm cutting out remarketing as much as pop possible, help with brand safety. I think I've whined about that a lot today. Um, so that's a big one for me too. And then I think everyone agrees that the biggest thing we want out of Pmax would just be data. Like I would give it up to them and say, you can take all the control, but I would love to be able to learn the things that Pmax is doing and doing well and apply them to my other campaigns or even other advertising platforms. If there's a keyword that I'm not aware of, I'd really love to know and be able to use it. So yeah, or your marketing in general. Yeah. Like if something if people are looking at this or this resonates, you can use it across the board for any ad or any you know, anything you're doing with your product. Yeah, that's absolutely 100%. the biggest one. And I would sell it to more customers if there was data for that reason. I would say, okay, we have absolutely no control over this, but let's give it a try and see what we learn. Um, so I think if we had data, it would be a much easier sell. All right. And Mike, your wish list, your need list, what are you doing to be max? Definitely some, some overlap here. Like I, I wish the search term insights would be a proper search term report. It would be usable. Like we, uh, I, I discovered firsthand how it, it's like there to look at and, and you feel like you're seeing something, but it's, it's specifically designed not to be actionable because we wanted to find out, um, okay, what percentage of, of the traffic is branded, um, based on the search term insights report. And, we had to build a Python script and we had to still copy paste data from the UI into a Python script. The thing like, it's really, it seems like there's great information in there. It, it, it's really, but it's not usable. And this just drives me crazy. So I want a usable search term report. Um, and I want them to tell me more than just what's going on with my impressions. So recently there's this uh, 
script from Mike Rhodes, which he updated. And I think it was like, you know, tool of the week last week, yep. um, but, or yeah, last week, but um, so it's really cool, but it's still an estimate. It's still like a, a workaround. I think it's great what he did. And uh, this guy, Tobias Hink as well, who, who figured out how to connect the dots in the API, but it wouldn't be necessary. And like Google, you, you lost, you see that we found a way to do it. You have nothing to lose anymore. Just because you, you are lost, just give us the insights. That's what I want. And um, yeah, negative keywords at the campaign level. And I'm just, I don't know, I'm afraid that there's just that if we get stuff like that, that there's going to be strings attached or let's see, limitations built in. Um, but I just want some genuine capabilities, some controls and some transparency. And, I, you know, my I'm not like, I don't have devious wants here or something. I'm not trying to, I, I just want to help Google by helping the client. I want people to be satisfied with what they're spending. They understand what they're spending. They're confident in it. Then they can spend more. Then it's a win, win, win. Like, you know, they're satisfied. Google can, like, everyone can win here in this situation. And it, it's just like, yeah, anyway. It's so eloquently put, Mike. Like we are, I think that's the thing that Google doesn't doesn't realize is like we want everything to work well. I want Google Ads to work the best. I want to put more money in there. I want clients to be happy. I want them to feel good about the the, the what they're purchasing, the ad placements. And it's a little hard to feel good about it at the at the at the moment. Definitely. So all right. And Shep, um, let's say a year in, are we better? Are we worse than where we were? Give the people some hope. I do think it's getting better. I'm interested. I want to hear your answer on this, Greg, too. But I think that most of the things that they've announced, not experiments, but I think some of the things that they've announced have been a change for the better. That global negative keyword list, again, it's not where I want it to be. I want a campaign level negative keyword list, but it's a good first step. I think that ability to optimize for new customers is a great capability that people have now with Pmax. So I do think it's getting better. And also, what more can they take away? It started with absolutely nothing. So I feel like it has to get better from here. Maybe I'm just optimistic. I don't know. What do you guys think? Um, I definitely agree. I think it's getting better. Um, there weren't, there wasn't even item ID level reporting at the start. And um, that, that really drove me crazy. But <laughs> Um, just to show how far we've come, like, yes, you can report by item ID and, um, there's, you know, new features that they're shipping. Um, I know that they're going to ship more insights and there's things that they're, they, they're trying. I, I feel like they're trying. I don't think that they were trying with smart shopping. And I think that smart shopping, I maybe had a little like excessive pride and I think Google maybe had a little excessive pride because I was saying like that was a garbage product and I underestimated it. Um, it, it did perform really well, but there were things that frustrated me and Google, I think just, they were not really listening to advertisers at all. And now I have the feeling that they did learn some lessons out of that. Um, I learned some lessons. I'm much more open-minded toward performance max. So I think if we just, meet each other halfway, um, then some good things can happen. Okay, great. So I think, I think we've, we've covered everything good. Let's just finish it up with this and say, um, you anybody that hasn't tried performance max or maybe tried and, and didn't know exactly what was going on, um, what, and wants to test, right? Like that's, that's, that's the sign of a good advertiser is the ability to test. Um, Mike, what would you say to them when they want to try Performance Max? Some words of encouragement for testing it out and um, with a feed. So it, it's it's tricky because it will depend on the size of your business, um, how much you can, like, of course, you might want to just dip your toes in the water, um, but like how much, how much, how many products do you have? How many monthly conversions do you have? Can you just dip your toes in the water? That's, that's a tricky thing. But um, I... The, I think a lot of people have tested it by now. I would say, give it a shot. Um, don't be too proud to ask for help. Definitely ask for help with it because it seems like, oh, it's simple. It's a one-click campaign, but actually there's a lot more there below the surface. Um, so I, I would definitely say, give it a shot. Um, and 
by the way, hold on one one thought just coming in real quick because I know we're over time, but this experiments thing, the fake experiments, I just want to mention that it is possible to do real experiment experiments with uh, Google, and they have there's out there this Google matched markets GitHub uh, Python package, and if you actually want to do experiments with Google Performance Max, it is possible. Yeah, but maybe I'll tweet about that one time or something in more detail. Awesome. And you know, you know, it's obviously Mike Ryan retail on Twitter. All right. And chef, what would you say to somebody in lead gen wants to test it out? You're just giving them a little pep talk, make sure they get off on the right foot here. I'm usually, I've had more of a problem of a lot of people wanting to try Pmax. And I think it's really not necessarily for everyone in lead gen. Again, I don't want to put a hard number on it, but I feel like you need 30 ish sales qualified leads a step beyond a form submission coming in every month and that's not everyone um and for some people i say you know maybe the account isn't in shape to test pmax now but maybe it will be in a couple months we can kind of keep it on the back burner um but if you do have that volume coming in i think it is worth a try again it's a bummer that we're not learning anything from it but if you take it for what it is know that it's probably a lot of branded a lot of remarketing and you have really aggressive goals for it it can lower your account-wide CPA. Um, so communicate with people on your team. Say you might be seeing some weird ads out there. Um, send some screenshots if you see them so we're aware of it. But if you have the volume in your account, it might be worth a test for you. Okay, perfect. And that that was maybe the fastest hour in the history of my life here. So thank you, Mike and Shep, for joining me and everybody for today's discussion. I think it was phenomenal. Um, Christine Zernheld, aka Shep, is a senior digital marketing manager at Cypress North and hosts Marketing Clock every Friday with me, where we cover marketing, digital marketing news from the entire week. Shep, where can people find you if they want more Shep? Best place is Twitter. I'm at Chepzer and held on Twitter. I also usually do the marketing o'clock tweet, so I'll see you there too. Um, and Discord, I'm not as good as Greg, but I do check it like every week or so. So you can join us there, community.marketingoclock.com. There's a lot of really smart people sharing tips in there. So we'd love for anyone to join in on the fun. Yep. And feel free to ask any questions too. You have about PMAX there. And Mike, thank you so much for hopping on today. Obviously, it's at Mike Ryan Retail on Twitter. And Mike is the head of e-commerce insights at Smarter E-commerce. And if you want more shopping, if you want more Mike, honestly, who doesn't? You should check in and tune in to the Growing E-commerce podcast wherever you are listening to this here podcast. Go bookmark it now and you are going to learn each and every week. Uh, Mike, where can people get in touch with you? Um, on Twitter, as you mentioned, you can also find at Mike Ryan Retail. You can also find me on LinkedIn. Uh, my URL snippet is also Mike Ryan Retail because um, there's a lot of Mike Ryans out there. <laughs> um, and thanks very much for having me. I really appreciate it. Thanks. I, and I just want to say thank you for all the insight and work you put out around all this data and trying to pull it all out and share it with the community. You're obviously like a leader in the e-commerce space. And thank you so much for taking the time here today. Um, and if anybody else here is looking for digital marketing news, this is the first time you've heard us each Friday, we have terrible puns, awful jokes, but a lot of digital marketing news along with Chep, me and Jess each, each uh, Friday there. So um, stay tuned to that. Uh, and we're bringing more round tables back. So Mike, hopefully we'll have you back on again in the future. Definitely. And that's it. It is now officially not marketing a talk and we will see you next month.